A one, two, three, go. Hey, mamas. <laughs> How are you all? Good. No. No, you always ask us and you always complain. Oh, okay, I'm gonna. So I'm how just, are you? I'm gonna try and not butt into anything, anything today because I've got this very nasty habit. How? I'm great, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you interrupted me, F- Fish, when she was asking how are you. So the whole concept of you saying I'm going to try and not interrupt has already gone out the window. Just start the convo and I was just say quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kind of. Soaking in. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't start. It's because you start going. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, see, I forgot. I forgot my thought process. You were gonna say about fingling tingly, whatever. About your ovaries tingling. Yeah, but I forgot the whole point of it now because I had like a really good sentence to say. Now I'm, I'm not just gonna sorry. be like, my ovaries are tingling. Like, what the hell? Because you were like, all right, so that's how you started. Wow, that, that helps a lot. <laughs> I start like 99% of my sentences like that. Oh, my name's Jess. My name's Erica. And I'm Melissa. And together we're a fucking mess. Mama's Code. You know, during these weeks that we've been indoors, like kind of wish I did experience, you know, being pregnant during this time. But like giving birth, the aftermath, so like the fourth trimester kind of living it within quarantine because it just seems so much more peaceful. Like you don't have people coming around and adding negative comments like, oh, why is your belly so big? I just feel like that's very insensitive, especially if our bodies have gone through so much. You can't just expect our belly, maybe because we get influenced by films. So if you look at Hollywood films, the mum, like, gives birth and then she has no belly. I was just going to go, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, actually. I think, I mean, I've, I've said already to you guys, if I was to ever have another child, I'd be extremely strict with, like, visitors after having my baby because I wished I could have had a bit more time for just the three of us if that makes sense I thought you were gonna say the next time you You have the two of us no I thought she was gonna say the next time I have a baby I would like to have it in a pandemic (laughs) 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 so that there's no one coming around and intruding your space no but saying that it's a lonely time it is a lonely time well you miss everything like just the other episode we did with Nush wasn't it kind of like you know she didn't get a baby shower but you also have to look at the pros. You don't, you're not missing out on any parties, carnivals, festivals. And I feel like us as like Colombians or like even South Americans, you know, they do that whole 40 day thing that we've spoken about. It's like if you were to have gone, you know, given birth now through the pandemic, you wouldn't have had to feel like, oh, I can't go out because you can't go out anyways. Yeah. You were forced to do like like your, what's it called again? Quarantena. Quarantena, there you go, literally. I feel like there's a, a massive positive to it and this would have been a good time to have delivered a baby because, you know, the whole postpartum phase, the fourth trimester no one ever speaks about. Just like, you know, everyone speaks up to like, okay, you've got your baby, you go home with your baby. But no one really tells you like how you, you feel afterwards and not even how you feel, but just how you deal with everything. Because if you remember, you just don't know what you're doing with your child. Like I remember when like we went to Bath Leo 
for the first time, it's like we actually had to Google how warm the water was supposed to be because I would have never thought about this. Yeah, you would think, oh, like, lukewarm. But how warm is lukewarm or how comments about people? No, I think definitely the comments. I remember after having Maya and it was, like, the first things people would ask or say, like, oh, my God, like, look at this or, like, oh, your stomach this or, oh, your stomach that. And you just think, like... I've just had a baby like a week ago or a couple of days ago. Like, why is that even important for you to? Yeah, point I think at? it's pretty insensitive when people comment, "Oh, you still look pregnant," because you know, so fucking what? Like, let my vagina heal, and then they expect you. I feel like within like our culture as well, it's always that thing, you know, you have to put on that faha to kind of like bring all that down. But my you know uterus is still trying to go down like why do you have to force this upon me i remember i had one i had one and i remember trying it on like once and i thought why Mm. no like why one it's uncomfortable two awful why where does it actually say that i need to wear this and why do i need to wear this like no i'm not gonna do it and i actually remember i kept it and i just left it there and i was like i'm not going to wear this like i don't need to wear this like why should i feel like because so-and-so said you have to or so-and-so said it's good for you and all this like no like I'm okay like this is how I'm gonna do it and I remember I got a couple comments oh but this is gonna happen if you don't do it well mate good on you don't you think and I'm just putting my cards out there don't you think that people would say that so that you don't derail yourself everyone let's say for instance are like oh you know like she's had a nice body even if you had your little muffin top But after having a baby, obviously, we know how much it impacts your body. So it's, like, helpful to not derail yourself and just to kind of let yourself go, like, oh, I've just had a baby, so, like, fuck my body. Like, if I'm going to have a big belly after it, then I will. But I don't don't really agree with that because it's the same thing I'm saying. We can't, we're not going to be the same individual we were before we had a baby. And, you know, it's human tendency to compare and despair as a way of your self-worth, basically. So, you know, if you're going to sit there and be like, well, no, I'm just going to let myself go. That's really down to you and how you feel in that moment. Because you can't tell me, you know, after how many hours of labour, you think the hard part is over. But It's just begun. Mate, you need to... Yeah, exactly. Quite often, the focus shifts to just the baby. And a lot of people forget, you know, about the mum. And even us mums, we overlook our own health and well-being because, you know, we're so... We're in this little bubble of love with our babies and, like, trying to learn everything as we go. So when Karen and Susan bring in all these negativity comments, like, you know, oh, well, you should wear this, you should wear that. Yes, it could be something you can say, but it shouldn't be something you impose on people. Like, you know, oh, si está gorda, si usted no hace esto, esto le va a pasar. It shouldn't have to be like that. And that's the way people say it. Because I remember when I had Joel, uh, my mom's friend came over with una fahang and she was like, oh, you know, Erica, you've always had a really nice figure. You need to put this on. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, first time mom, let me just do it. And, you know, like I had previous people that had had kids that they told me también oh si tienes que poner la fajos you know like your skin's just gonna hang because obviously stupid me thought like you know the I thought like I was like some kind of kangaroo that my (laughs) (laughs) 
the little the, sack. The bump, yeah, the bump was just going to stay there, <laughs> but there was going to be no baby. So all that flaccid skin was just going to drop down to my vagina. I don't know where <laughs> you I were going to tuck it into your jeans. <laughs> just tuck it into my jeans or something. Yeah, so I assumed that this would happen. And then obviously getting other people's comments that were already parents just made me think, oh, you know, I need to do that. That's my self-worth. I, I need to fall on onto like their footsteps and, you know, seeing that their body's gone back to pretty much normal. Why wouldn't I do the same? And I remember wearing this for her. And to start off with, I wore it like, I think it was two weeks after I had Joel. And it was the most uncomfortable and painful thing in my life. I remember we had visitors and we went to the living room and I literally sat down and I couldn't breathe. Like I could not physically catch my breath. And I was like sitting there like, you know, like tilted back. Come okay, like trying to feel comfortable. <laughs> I look like so pimp. stiff. Like and a pimp just, and his bitch. Yeah, literally. I, and I was just there like so stiff and I was like, I can't do this and I, I couldn't and I, I could just see everyone you know holding the baby and enjoying it and everyone was smiling and I was just so uncomfortable and I was like I'm sorry but why do I need to put myself through this to kind of please someone else if you know putting La Faja on outside of being pregnant and having a baby is difficult to even breathe and eat and get about your day imagine afterwards when your uterus and your abdominal area is so sore I can't think of anything worse. Like, I, I tried it once as well, and I thought, like, I was the type of person that, where I always had a little belly before, I thought, okay, maybe if I, if I use La Faja after the baby, maybe you'll somehow disappear. So I tried it once, and I was like, nope. Like, I literally got halfway through buying it up, and I just sat there on the bed like, I, I can't, and, like, half of my... <laughs> <laughs> like my belly was just coming out under it honestly like you said it's just the, the most uncomfortable thing and it's like that's not your main focus at the moment like let my body heal and cure and then we can you know think about I did um I did wear it like a couple of times after I think it must have been like a good month or two months in yeah probably two months in only because I felt my hips and like my body was so what's the word, like, descolgado, like, it just felt like it didn't have anything holding me together. Yeah. So I felt like wearing it just kind of gave me that extra support. But that's different. You you felt comfortable in no, it. You didn't yeah. feel pressured, like, you know, I'm doing this because, you know, <clears throat> I need to prove to this auntie and that auntie over there that I'm going to snap yeah. back. Or mm. they're just going to point I, the finger regardless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, it was uncomfortable wearing it because, obviously, my, my belly was still very sore, but it was comfortable in other aspects like I said it just felt like I was a bit held more together the same as like this is going to sound very odd but I used to like wearing jeans afterwards because it tightened my hips and like you guys know that my hips took like a massive you know when they were pushing my hips in um so wearing tightness around it kind of made me feel like a cello taped back together there's a massive pressure as well that your body doesn't grow overnight like you don't go to sleep and wake up with a pretty much nine month belly so why should you have to have your baby and even if it's a month later be expected to go or try and squeeze yourself back into something that took so long to to grow do you get me like why should you like it's it's just not natural Oof, just remembering it just makes me feel that pain again or you know when i like, used to just go down into like the basket or wherever you had the baby to pick it up like how are you supposed to bend over with that faha on 
I remember having it there and just looking at it and almost feeling like, why? Like, But I think it comes down to how our parents and, you know, aunties and everything, they grew up with it, you know, because like, their culture, well, our culture, it, it's kind of that. Like, it's just the same with the whole cell medial thing that they do. We may not think of it as a big thing, but maybe for them it was it, it is like something that you had to do. Because if you think about it, and that's another thing that, I kind of like when I got told that I had to wear this faham, your organs after you've given birth are just coming back into place. Like they don't just bloop, drop into place. No, they take their time to kind of fall just the same way when your uterus is going down, your organs start falling back to their normal position. So imagine you having the strain of putting on a faham. I'm sure that this is going to in the long run cause, you know, health problems. Because you're not letting your body heal. And ideally, like, you'd think it's a bit of a a double... What's the word? A double whammy. (laughs) It's because it's it's weird. It's like, you know, the 40 days are for you, your body to heal. For you to bond with your baby. But within these 40 days, you're expected to... Chumbarten some neck. And there's uh, there's that (laughs) other thing that, you know, there's women that actually get wrapped around in, like this i just i just don't what? yeah, yeah like, there's actual they actually get that's swaddled. what that is i think that was before the faha or the faha is like yeah. a more hip thing like. can i just say something for those that don't understand spanish salmerio is like an incense bath that we get for our vagina yeah <laughs> and uh, faha that erica's talking about is the like a corset basically that pulls you all up together no and, and also you know what for some people this might work for some people it's okay for some people they might not feel like it's an issue they might think it's a very positive thing and yeah. you know each to their own but i think like let's say for the three of us in in this instance we probably share the same views that it just probably wasn't for us no but no one's saying it's it's wrong fish we said it at the beginning you know like say jess jess decided she wanted to wear it but, but for comfort i don't yeah. i just don't think and like you've said like i've said we don't agree with it being forced upon yourself like mm. if you decide just the same like the almost breastfeeding if you decide you know what i want to breastfeed that sh- it should be within your decision to decide okay i want to wear this waist trainer or let me choose when i feel my body's ready to not kind of like if you don't if you don't put that on and you're like <laughs> you've got so much so going rude. on my dad used to say that to me it's the way people say things to exactly you. Like, my dad was one to say this to me he was literally like have you put on your faha? And I was looking at him like, love me. <laughs> Are you going to see me naked in the middle of the night? No. Go away with your faha. And every time he used to come round, he used to be like, he literally would like poke my side <laughs> to see if I was wearing it. And I'm just standing there like, no, look, look, look at my saggy skin. I'm not wearing it. And he'll look at me like, ha, no se está cuidando. Like, oh, go away. But it's my dad and he and he's always like this. You know, I'm used to it, but like you said, like... Those comments still get to you because yeah. it's like, you know, when you give birth, you're an emotional wreck anyways. Like, you know, all the h- hormones going in and out of your body. Like, there's just it's just a mixture of different things. And obviously, this is something so new to you. So no matter how used to you are, you know, it could be like... It, it, even it could be a passing comment from us, like a, like a joke. Ha-ha, if you don't wear your fire. Yes... 
you might take it as a joke, but it's going to linger around your brain because that's how um, our brains work. And then that's when you kind of reflect back to it. And then when you do see your body, because I know we've all been on the boat, you know, you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. But I've started to kind of learn that, you know, your body created a whole ass human being. You need to rock that shit with pride. And there is nothing anyone can tell you that should make you feel... Question it. Exactly. Mama, I love you. Do you know what's the funny thing? These people that say this to you, it's almost... I mean, I don't know if maybe we're more sensitive nowadays or the fact that these people that say these things to you have experienced postpartum. They've experienced what, what how you feel afterwards. And it's like, they know that we're not just dealing with, oh, you know, putting on a waist trainer. They know we're having to deal with so much more behind a, a door and... Like, it's a complete different new world. And like you said, like, all the hormones, everything you're thinking about, your emotions, your sleepless nights, just there's just so much that doesn't even come to conversation when you're expecting. And so they're now sitting there in front of you saying to you, put this on while you're behind closed doors crying because you're thinking that you need to do a poo or, you know, you're still bleeding so much and or you're not sleeping or your nipples are on fire or... Imagine bleeding and those fajas normally have just a little hole how the hell are you going to control your faha being clean with this blood just going everywhere? And imagine to wee and poo, you have to take this shit off. It's just so uncomfortable. I just, I really do not understand. Like, kudos to anyone who thinks that, you know, that's the way forward, but... Hmm. And I think it's very dependent as well, like what Mel was saying, that how you feel as well afterwards. Because maybe some people just have their baby and feel fine and they're like oh yeah let's put my faha and they don't feel any emotion they feel emotionally fine you know or they feel like yeah this is the way and yeah. they don't kind of question like oh you know they don't make a big deal of like oh why should i wear so, a faha? yeah you just mentioned about having more more things on your mind like taking a poo how did we feel about that after having oh, a baby mate. i couldn't like why is it why is <laughs> it that that's the most one of the most scariest things after having a child but when you have a child craziest thing is you compare it to taking the biggest poo of your life so why is it as scary if you've just birthed something huge personally i felt because in my head i thought i was gonna rip from like vagina to butthole but imagine you didn't get stitched up from your vagina to your butthole i did I don't. So how do my you poo? first poo, nah, mate. I I've told you how. Like I literally had to poo on my floor. But five years later, how do you still poo? Oh, I I've struggled. You know, like when you're having sex and then the dick hits that little oh. wall. There, are oh, that's that's it. Oh. I'm just like abort mission. The perineum. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I physically till now, five years later, my ass just hurt. <laughs> I still feel very sensitive there. In that little bit, I just, in my head, I think it's like this trauma yeah. that I feel like anything that hits it, that's it, oh, it's stop. gone. D- didn't this cross your mind though when you went to have K? Yeah, well, th- this is the thing. W- with K, um, because I had considered home birthing, um, when I went to the midwife, she was obviously like really excited and she was like, yeah, like we can do it. But then she started going through like the history and she was like, mm. oh, you had a, I think it was like a, second degree yeah third degree tear and i was like okay what does this mean she was like hmm (laughs) (laughs) not so much babe (laughs) she was like well i mean the hospital's very close by but she was also like 
you know, you lost a lot of blood. You know when they're like, they're selling it to you, but they're not. And it was, it's kind of like the Boris situation. You can go out, but you can, can't, you can't. I felt like that because she was like selling me the home birthing, but she was also being like, you could die, you know. You <laughs> Please refer back to child number one. So I was kind of like in two minds. And obviously I come and tell Camilla and he's like, no, we're having it in the hospital. I'm not going to go, you know, but yeah. because for him, he saw like the other... He was on, like, on the other spectrum of seeing like the whole rush of things and all the blood and stuff. So I think for him, it was very traumatic too. But I did, I did think, and, and I can remember the one thing I kept searching was how to not tear. And I remember, <laughs> I think, <laughs> who was it that said it that was me. to massage? Yeah. <laughs> it was me, because I remember we would have conversations on end and you would send me all these diagrams and these memes of like, this is how you massage. And you put your like thumbs, is it inside your asshole? Oh, oh yeah. Or, I don't know, but you massage it. And I was like, Whoa. Or like inside oh, your vagina oh. towards your asshole. And I remember I was in the office there looking at these diagrams and I was thinking like, how am I going to tell Jay to put his thumbs in me and do circle motions towards my arsehole yeah I, I I also like looked all into that and I think it's just mainly and I, I remember telling my midwife when I got to the hospital like I, well this is the conversation I planned to have with her because I thought oh I'll get to the hospital for six centimeters so I'll have a lot of time to you know tell her what I want and what I don't um, I got there and it was eight centimeters. She was like, yeah, yeah, let's rush her to the room. And I was like, no, but I have like things to say. <laughs> so Ollie obviously told her, she was like, oh, look, she, she, she thinks she's very prone to ripping. Uh, so she was like, don't worry. And it was like this African woman. I promise you, she was like the best. Because I kept saying, oh my God, I need to poo. And she was like, you don't need to poo. And like, I remember so vividly, Camilla was standing very far away from here. And she just kept cussing him. She was like, what are you? What are you doing? Come and rub her back. And then he'll rub it. He'll be like, she'll be like, not there. Do it properly. <laughs> I, inside me, I was cracking up because he just looked so scared <laughs> for his life. Um, so when I was pushing, she did say, she was like, remember that if you push without a contraction, you're more likely, you, you're more likely to rip. So she was like, so she kept walking me through. So whenever I, she, like, she would put her hand on my belly and she'll be like, okay, push. And then I stop pushing. And then she'll be like, okay, stop, 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 stop. And then that's it. And Kay, literally, I did two pushes. And then he literally just, I didn't push anymore. Because she kept telling me, stop pushing, stop pushing. I was like, I was literally looking at her. I was like, I'm not pushing. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then he just literally slid out of my vagina. So, but I did rip. I just think I have like a baby vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Premature vagina I have. <laughs> So did you experience that nerve of doing a poo with Kay as well, even though you knew you were better off this time and you knew that actually once you do the poo, it's really not all that, like, it's fine? Mm, no, but I think with with Joel, can I add, I was very constipated as well because, you know, you can get that after birth as well. So I think yeah. that added to my stress because I always wanted to do a poo and normally on a normal day, you just push, push, push and then it will come out. But because I had so many stitches, I didn't want to. So I just kept holding it back. But then I would search on Google and they'll be like, you know, 
if you don't poo, it makes it worse. Your intestines can explode. <laughs> <laughs> you die. For everyone listening, Erica's the type to be like, my finger just broke. Types in Google, I'm dying in 24 hours. And she will message to be like, guys, like basically, I love you. Rest in peace, kind of scenario. And I remember calling my GP. No, I remember calling my midwife, crying, and I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna die. My intestines are gonna just burst inside. And she was like, what? And she was like, there's a good solution. Just take laxatives. And I was like, oh very very good idea <laughs> so i just started taking laxatives and that really helped so i think for Caden, um before i gave birth i asked the gp to, re- to send me laxatives so i was prepared this time and also i heard that orange juice is really good um so i drank a lot of orange juice um it did hurt it stank but it wasn't nothing compared to like the first Oof, time mel i can't even remember you didn't rip you've got a mature pussy <laughs> I cannot deal with this. <laughs> that is definitely not going in. <laughs> definitely not. But no, I, I don't I don't remember it being a scary obviously it must have crossed my mind but not enough for it to make such an impact because clearly I don't remember. I was probably just happy that I did one anyways. Yeah, I don't think you thought about it because it's a thought that you just don't forget. Yeah, definitely. It's traumatic. You pace from room to room to just thinking about it and, and like your butthole's like, you know, contracting, like opening and you and you can feel yourself squeezing that bodge and you're just, no, I don't want to go because I'm going to rip open. So I don't think you had a, a terrible experience. No, I don't. To be honest, I just remember so much thinking, am I going to poo while I'm pushing out Maya? That was kind of my one thing. No, I suffered so much. I remember I had visitors that week and it kept bugging me. And, and they would be, obviously you can't, like you don't really stand when you've got visitors you just sit there and just observe (laughs) from a distance (laughs) and all the time i'd be sitting there like please i don't want to do a poo i don't want to do and then they'll be asking me like oh you know asking me about how the labor was and and in my head i'm like i need to do a poo like and i remember so leo was born on saturday and i didn't pass a poo until friday afternoon and that Friday, I drank about, I'm not even going to lie, probably three waters, three litres of water in the space of an hour. Because I, in my head, I thought if I drink loads of water, it would be super Just easy. Slide out. And then my mum was my mom was leaving with one of like my cousins. And I was down in water as they were saying bye. As soon as they closed that door... Everyone left and I literally ran to the toilet and I think my body just couldn't hold it any longer and all the water I had was, I think it was just like forcing it out, like evacuating. And I literally, it was so funny because I ran to the toilet, I sat and it just happened like like, like on a normal day. So it's like, after it, I sat there and I was like, oh, why was I so scared? But then when it was time for the second and third, it was still, you know, the same thing. And even till now, like, I feel, I find myself more constipated than before because I live in this fear. Yeah. It's weird. It's like one one time it's all right, the other it's not. And it's just, you just have to deal with this. The, ungl- the not glamorous side of motherhood that no one really tells you about. Oh, and you know what was worse? I don't know, maybe Erica, like, you went through it as well, that... If you're home alone and you really want to do a poo and you know, like, this is the moment that your body's been waiting and you go, but then you're scared that the baby's going to wake up and you're midway through and then, like, who's going to grab the baby? And it's like a newborn just screaming, but then your your 
poo is like halfway down and you're like, oh, how do I cut this off? And you just just sit there like, do I shake it out? Or like, is my baby going to die if I let him like cry out so much? Like that happened to me. And it was honestly, it was so horrible. Like, I think it was, he must have been four weeks. Yeah, when Jay went back to work. And the first, that's literally the same day he went to work. Leo, he was having, he was sleeping. And and in that moment, I was like, yep, I need to do it. I went. And just as I was executing the mission, (laughs) he started screaming, like crying. But you know, the little baby cry. And I remember sweating there because I was like... (laughs) Guys, it was so horrible. I remember putting classical music because I I don't know who it was that said maybe relax and but it was probably you, Melissa, that said put classical music on, and you know to take a poo. Yeah, there was like classical music in the bathroom. I'm sweating and then I hear this child crying and I'm like and now I'm like sweating even more because I'm like oh my god my baby's gonna die. Did you not take him like close to the bathroom? He was in the room and you know my room is like. I would always I would always. Like, with me, I would always get... Because, you know, we had the little mosaic basket. I would just always put him there. And, like, with, with Joel, like, we lived at my parents, so... I no, when, when I when I went to like shower and stuff, I would put like bring the Moses in. But oh, this was that thing where you're like finish having your coffee and you're like, oh my god, you need to run. Like you don't get time to take your whole the whole world into <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> Only my you. dog would follow me. <laughs> but puppy, good girl. But having said that, um, I don't know if maybe it was just me that you know I just said like, oh my baby's gonna die if I let him cry, and that I used to experience this thing of like. If we were going out for our daily walk and I'm carrying the baby or... I don't know why it would always cross my mind that I'm going to trip up or fall down the stairs and that the baby would just... Fly out your hands. Yeah. I don't know if maybe this is a just me or... No, no. I, I used to feel like that as well sometimes. And I always used to feel that I wasn't going to calculate how to leap, like walk through the yeah. door enough. So I'm going to walk into the door. Yeah, but to be fair, you always used... You always used to bump Joel's head, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, like, I would walk... I remember I would walk with, like, Maya holding her so close to my chest and it was like I would navigate, like, left, right, left, right because I was yeah. so scared that if I just, you know, did a wrong step to, you know, too far to the right, I'm just going to walk into, like, the door frame. Or when she got older and her head was, like... She was moving a bit more or whatever, I always thought I was going to knock knock her against something. So you weren't alone. Plus, I have the history of Pole Jojo and his head, so... It's so weird, though. Like, I, I remember I used to think when Cuando Me Dan, those um, thoughts was like, why is it the first thought is that, like, so tragic? It's because of the extra pressure you add to yourself. Like, you think that you have to, in a way, you know when, like, you're told when your baby's born, that mother instinct kicks in, automatically you think, I have this base, this whole motherhood thing unlock because you know that's what mother instincts will kick in and you'll know what to do sometimes you don't know what you're doing so where's the mother <laughs> instincts like yeah and you're questioning did it, like, like miss me or something yeah so you start questioning yourself and and, and i think all mums go through this because it might not be in the aspect you're talking about it but it can be completely different like, you know like say breastfeeding if a mum can't breastfeed it's not their fault but already you have it in your head that you had to do it. So you, f- you feel like you've failed as a mother. So it's, it's with all these things. So, you know, you f- having the fear of 
you know, you're going to do this wrong and then the the end event will end in your, like, your baby being hurt. Same with, like, you know, mums that can't breastfeed thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, give my baby poison because that's what basically some people say about formula. But they just grasp for all the negative comments and things that you yourself have read. So all these things just stay in your brain and you kind of just process it. And Always it just kind of like, your mind. Yeah, and it comes out in the moments where you're most panicky. Yeah, I used to think that was so weird. And I used to, like, th- the first time that we went out with El Nino, he, I think it was like three days after I gave birth, we went to have um, brunch. And I was sitting there and obviously he cried. So I took him out and in my head I was like, oh my God, he, I'm like he's going to fall off and hit his head and smash open on this concrete. And I remember sitting there, I know, and it was horrible because you like you guys know how I am. Like I'm so calm and I'm just like whatever. Like I would have never thought I would have these feelings. And I was just sitting there and I just I felt like like Mel said, it's like, can I even like breathe? Because I feel like his head's just gonna smash. And I remember sitting there looking at Jay like, if I was to tell him what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, would he then think it's just a psychopath in her? And at time <laughs> at times I would think, what if I got angry and did something crazy? I don't know. That's my confessions of an alcoholic. <laughs> 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 no, confessions of a postpartum mum, but I just thought it was very weird because, you know, I've always been a very laid back person and I, I wouldn't really wound myself up about things and when this happened I thought, you know, I'm fine, I'm not feeling any type of emotion, but then when this thought came in my head and it was constant and constant it's like why like it even to the fact that I, I was breastfeeding him in the middle of the night thinking I'm gonna drop him but I'm on the bed where are you going to drop him but to? Moo it might also be you know like we've mentioned before hormones and you might say you didn't feel you know emotional or overwhelmed because you were basically on overdrive so you thought okay well yeah. I need to do this perfect but those thoughts obviously show that you were overwhelmed you know mm-hmm. yeah it Birth was like itself coming is like, out yeah you it feels like you've been physically hit by a bus so anything after that you know you're just adjusting to this new whole situation um and you feel like an alien in your own body let's let's be real about it after giving birth Mm. and you don't know when you're going to feel back to that so all that there's so many different aspects of after giving like the fourth trimester that no one talks about that you might think well you know I'm laid back so I don't see why this is happening to me but it just comes to show that you know postpartum comes in different forms yeah and you only now when obviously that you kind of sit down and think oh wow like what what was happening like, what is it that was going through my mind that brought all these feelings forward? And mm. actually, it's when you start speaking to other mums and if, well, you know, speaking to people you feel comfortable to and you start sharing maybe some of the things you were thinking that you think, you know, it comes across that actually you weren't alone, that maybe they didn't yeah. think the same things, but they thought of similar things. And then you start feeling just a little bit more normal because you do feel quite like an alien. Like, why, why am I thinking this? Like... Am because I a bad you know mom you're not or? yeah and so you start like pointing the finger at you thinking like there's something wrong with you but actually you know a lot of these things are just kind of part of the process I think of course there's there's the aspect of when it does become serious that you do need to 
reach mm. out and and get help but many of these worries and fears are are just kind of like a fight or flight mode right you're given a situation mm-hmm. and then you have two ways of dealing with it and like uh, erica was saying you know you you can also be sleep deprived you may be tired you on, on overdrive and even though you may or overwhelmed yeah, you may feel like everything is okay but actually the reality is you've you're running on two or three hours sleep for 10 days in a row so all these things just start catching up no and and, and add the crying that we're not used to you know this new baby's come in and like we all experience it you know you go through the checklist of yes you've cleaned them you fed them what else could be wrong like why just talk to me and sometimes because you're so overwhelmed and like Mia was saying sometimes you automatically think am I going to hurt my child because you know they've been crying non-stop and then you're just kind of like I'm alone this is all new to me what is coming out yeah like you've Mm -hmm. got this anger and rage inside of you like like I remember when I first had Joel and I felt elated but terribly lost at the same time like it was like an over the moon thing but I also felt my lowest because I just for me I felt like I was still a child and so I was looking at a smaller child so you know it it was just such a, a bizarre moment in my life and it was only like afterwards that you kind of kind of question like all the shit you were thinking about and I remember Joel's very colicky so there was days that he would not stop crying and you know trying to find a position for him to sleep in or sometimes he would just sleep on my chest but then automatically you get filled with all the you know oh your baby can die like that because what if I fall asleep and then I suffocate him like there's so many stories out there you know my husband's obviously he has to go to work I can't physically expect him to be up with me at night with a crying baby, but bless him, on most occasions he would. He would tell me to go and get sleep. But all this, you know, even if you do get told to go to sleep, you don't go to sleep. So again, over there, you are already overwhelmed with everything that's happening. Um, And it just, yeah, it's just, it's just weird, weird thing. Because I remember in in that moment and... um, I just, I remember thinking so many times, like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Like, that was my first thought. I was just like, oh, I, I should have just not, this just wasn't for me. I sometimes thought to myself, you know, maybe I just wasn't born to be Because a I just didn't, sometimes I had so much rage when he'd just cry and cry and cry. And I didn't know what to do that I just felt, I just don't have the patience. Normally, a mum should have patience yeah. for this. Because everyone, what everyone says. Yeah, like, so you, you automatically connect all the dots of all these, you know stories you read and like films that you see and in your brain it's like you've already gathered like a perfect mom and you should be you know reflecting towards that but all these things just come and kind of like smack you in the face and give you a reality check yeah i think people's um unsolicited comments are what gets you in this as well and like what mel said is that when you don't speak it you just get yourself up in like what's wrong with me i'm the only one thinking this i remember um there was a passing comment um of a mom saying oh my god it there's so much love when you first see them like in that instant i cried so much and i just felt like i would die for this child and i just loved him instantly and then that week later after we after i went through that moment that everyone spoke about i again came across the same person with the same comment Except the person was saying, 
oh, that's weird that she doesn't feel like that. But that you don't feel like that. Yeah, she was like, that's weird that she doesn't feel like that. I, I heard it from across the room, like I wasn't supposed to hear it, maybe. Do you know how much those words affected me? That even till this point, a year later, I sometimes feel like when I get angry, like you said, kids are going to be arseholes. Kids don't give a shit, like, mm. they're just living their best life. And when you lose your shit, you, like, I sit down and I think, maybe I don't love this. Maybe that person was right. And maybe, you know, if I didn't feel that instant love at first sight, then maybe that was the only time I... And, and those words literally linger, uh, you know, in you. Mm. But it's only when, <clears throat> when you speak it, which was why me and Jay were so open about how we felt when we saw Leo the first time. We openly say that we didn't feel an instant love for him. Like, you know, people talk about this switch. We felt thankful and grateful for bringing him to life healthy and that, you know, we were all safe. And and we felt so in awe of, you know, how crazy is it that two humans can create something so perfect to like the last organ in his body. Yeah. Fast forward two days later, we were like absolutely in love with this child. And we were like, you know, because it's meeting someone and it, they grow on you and we, we don't, we, we never feared of speaking that because we thought maybe someone out there also felt the way, you know, we did. But then, like, like I said, going back to that person's comment was just, mm. but then when you tell people, it's like, oh no, I didn't feel like that either. Like, it took me a day to feel that love and, you know, and it's just like, yeah, maybe, maybe obviously everyone experiences different, everyone feels different, everyone's hormones react different and everyone loves different as well. But it was definitely not anything nice to hear. Even though you know the person didn't say it with, you know, bad intentions. But again, it's like they don't know. It's it's like they don't know what you've gone through. Do you think that in a weird way, we're kind of sold that you're meant to love your child? Yeah, hundred percent. The same way you're sold that. The same way you're sold that your mother instincts kick in. Yeah. Like, maybe they do kick in, like, five hours later. I'm but that doesn't mean sometimes that... Sometimes I'm like, even till this day. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying mine did. But even, like, all of these things, people say, oh, yeah, like, like you're supposed to breastfeed. Oh, you know, it's the natural way. Yeah, it is the natural way because, you know, if you go back to cavemen times and all the people from, you know, our ancestors, it was the only source of food for the baby but if we have alternatives now and if we have I don't know I just feel like we're more emotionally connected now and we're more outspoken about what we actually feel and are not trying to cover up like mama I love you our ancestors didn't really talk about their feelings because you know nowadays they say depression and all this stuff is so new none of them got that I can guarantee you that most of them felt lost remember that i don't know if if fish saw it um the video i sent you of the mum breastfeeding yeah that she was literally screaming like she had a towel in her mouth screaming in pain and she was being like her baby was being put to her breast if this is such a magical moment why does it not look magical in that in that sense and you're, you can't tell me that ancestors didn't go through that because if, if that was the case, then what went wrong with our generations? 
like they they had to ha- ha- feel some type of way like you know all our tits are the same maybe different sizes and stuff but we all have nipples and they all you know crack and stuff so just because now there's other solutions like Jess said why can't we use them like why are we judged on mm, them yeah so do we have to take our TVs away and have 10 11 kids to kind of keep up to what they were living it's normally like the older generation that like well you know in my time we didn't do this okay babe but we're not in your time anymore we do things differently and you just kind of think about it like you know with everything you know we've spoken about home birthing and stuff mel always sticks you stick to your guns that you would prefer to have it in a hospital but if you spoke to someone a really old, old, old person, she'll be like, but the natural way is, you know, you doing it at home. You know, my grandma delivered all her babies at home. And it's like, okay, do you want a medal? Like, maybe you didn't have the choice. Exactly. But it's it's always about that. It, because they weren't given choices, you have to adapt. So had we also been deprived of these opportunities, then perhaps we, 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 we don't have, we don't know anything else. But our world is so open and there's so much out there for us. Why are we not going to take advantage of these things? Which is why so many women used to die back then giving birth. Because exactly. they, didn't, they didn't have any options. They, did, they didn't have scans. They didn't have any... They had no idea what was coming out of. So it's like, of course women were going to die. You know, they would just bleed to death and YOLO. You gave your life for your child. But nowadays, if we've got the means to prevent these things of course we're gonna go for it yeah some people might say oh but you're just taking the easy way out yeah but if I don't feel emotionally well if I don't feel like I can hack it but the what's... word older generations use is nosotros somos ya muy flojos and I've heard it from loads of people you know I'll stay lojo yeah. you're just weak now I had that comment too um I'm pretty sure you know giving birth through the vagina is still the same as when you gave birth through the vagina I don't know what's changed. That's the same comments that come when people say, oh, I use an epidural. And, and which is, it's so sad that women feel embarrassed almost to say, I had an epidural. Mate, I remember going into the hospital and saying to Dan, if I can't get my words out to tell these midwives that I want an epidural, you tell them I want an epidural. And I remember because I went from like being told you're two centimetres to basically don't push because the baby's coming like literally within an hour like it was that so in my mind I didn't know that so for me I went from having pain that I could still speak through to pains where I'm just like what the fuck is going on so for me I was still really early on not knowing so I didn't care an epidural for me was something that could have helped obviously when I was told that basically I couldn't because she was pretty much ready to be born that was a different ball game but I remember saying to Dan if I can't say it tell them I want an epidural because I I don't want to be feeling this pain like this is crazy yeah I think and people downplay okay. what, what like the epidural part and c-section like I've had I remember especially in Colombia I remember one of my cousins she gave birth through c-section and some friend of my my auntie she was like oh so you haven't really felt motherhood pain. Yeah. But you carried your baby and you sorry. grew the baby and you had what? the sleepless nights and everything. No, but sorry, like... she got cut open. Do yeah, you know, it's like, not easy. When I see, like, when people say that mums, that people that 
you know, give birth through C-section, haven't experienced the full load of, you know, given birth. Yes, you have. Your organs were like pushed out of the way more than they had already been through the baby. And you're cut through layers and layers and layers to bring this baby into the world. And then you're stitched back up. Are you telling me that that doesn't... I just i really do not understand people it really angers my soul when people have their two cents of negativity to add like and, and especially like it's for me it's kind of like if i want an epidural and if i feel comfortable with it what is the fucking problem yeah why am i being why judged? do i need to feel the pain yeah why do i need to give like a reason to you or to anyone as to why i'm deciding to do whatever i want with my own body and with my own child and also i'm gonna be sleepless i'm gonna go through teething i'm gonna go through seeing them grow i'm gonna suffer this exact mom pain you know all the rest of my life i remember in uni i had a friend that she told me she was like obviously at this point i had no clue about you know giving birth or anything but when she was telling us that you know when she was in labor she she decided to have a water birth and she said she was like guys i was drowning myself like she literally went down in the water and she was like i preferred to die than to feel another contraction and that she was like, she's going to stay under the water until someone came in and gave her an epidural. <laughs> I remember you say. <laughs> what, drowning herself? Yeah. Like, she literally went ballistic and she was like, if if the doctor doesn't come here... And you know, because, like, um, the... What's the guy called that comes to put the... An anesthesia? Yeah, that man. Um, they go through, through Ronda, so they have or to do... Or women. Um, they have to do, like, the rounds of people that have been listed for... say epidurals and stuff and they're particularly more drawn towards women that have to get like a c-section so the midwife kept explaining to her she's still like but you know like he's gonna come but he can't come now and then she was like okay i'm gonna stay under the water i want him here and she just kept screaming and screaming and they had to literally call that man in asap i tell you this woman got the epidural and she was painting her nails (laughs) she did her makeup she literally looked so flawless and like, you know they connected her to that um, machine. And then the midwife would be like, okay, you're having a contraction. And then she'll push and her baby was born. Like she literally aced that pushing thing because she was like, I did not feel... And, and, and to some extent, would you not think like, you know, giving birth in itself is very traumatic. However it goes, even if it's the most magical thing, your body feels the trauma because every ounce of you aches and aches so if you can prevent yourself from even feeling an ounce of pain you feel why not do it like and and would that not then i'm not obviously saying that women that get epidurals are less likely to get postpartum depression but if you're not going through so much trauma to bring this child in and you've released kind of the pressure of, you know, well, I kind of just opened my legs and it just flew out kind of thing. You have one less extra thing to worry about. Are you the one here in pain? So what if I can't hack it? Yeah. But again, well, their know. words will be like, oh, you're just weak. And it's like, okay. Yeah, cool. I'm weak maybe in that moment. But am I going to be weak, you know, a week later once I have my child, once my mind is not even me anymore? My body's not but me. But why is it weak? Why is it weak? What is it? Why can it not be strong that you've actually acknowledged that maybe, you know what, like, why I'm strong enough to make the decision that I do need the help, so I'm going to get it. Exactly. And either way, whether you're numb down there or not, as soon as it clears off, it's still going to ache you down there. Yeah, of course. 
and you don't know if you're ripping what if you rip and you still have to get stitches like there's so many things pros and cons with everything even like c-section you're not pushing most of people that get c-sections like if it's not a planned one you still feel contractions it's only like i've got a friend i've got a friend that she literally suffered to the very end and she got to like five centimeters and she just stopped dilating and then they were like okay we're gonna have to do a c-section you know how long she had to wait for it and then you're telling me that makes her less of a mum are you fucking kidding me mate i just think even the the, the phrase less of a mum is just wrong in all aspects like what kind of human says this it's just wrong and you know we were saying that maybe people will say these things without really meaning it but you don't know how a word or a phrase can really impact a person especially after they've had a baby because everything is still all over the place Mm. and it's not even just after when you have a baby it's it's throughout motherhood and unfortunately it tends to be like we were saying mothers Mm. kind of pointing the fingers at each other and that's just sad which is why we're here to change that because no mother should feel like that you know or father because i know we've touched a lot on like you know how mothers feel and stuff and our partners can be dealing with their own response to the birth you know mm. they're changing that the, the change in their identity uh strong feelings about protecting and providing for the family all these extra pressures exactly that they didn't have before as with all stages of early parenthood also it's worth reminding you know that this stage will pass just as you know the sleepless nights were kind of like dulled down and stuff but you might be looking back at the period with fondness and at how tiny you were attached to this little baby when they were first born but in your mind there's also going to be all the bad memories you bring along with that because I know we can all relate that we miss like the newborn times and maybe now we wish that you know we would have kind of like slowed down a bit and kind of like enjoy the moment which is something that we've all agreed on that that's something that this pandemic will bring you know new mums can finally connect connect yes like get to know your body listen to your body connect deeply with your baby and your partner and there's no rush of different things going on all around you something that maybe we were deprived of for whatever reason maybe because you know families just wanted to be in our face all the time you know we wanted company because we felt we needed someone around us just to reassure us that everything was going to be okay there's different aspects to it but um the fourth trimester can be for parents it's just some people just downplay it too much and when you're in it it's all consuming and you can feel like constantly one step behind if it makes sense so nothing you do makes you feel better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's just being in line with your thoughts in that moment. And rising out the fourth trimester, it's hard because you, you, like, you get that excitement of like, oh my God, it's the new baby and you, know, you want to scream it to the world. And it's kind of like you kind of throw under the carpet what you're feeling or, or just throwing away that moment that you know you're never going to get it back. So... It's just slowing down. And I think it's a very, uh, what's the word, prime moment to do it. And to not feel like you can't say no to visitors or you can't say no to just being at home with your baby or you know and and also regardless whatever you do in life really you're always gonna upset someone with something you say or or a comment you make or you know they may disagree with your decision and then they will take offense to it but at the end of the 
the day you're doing it for the best interests of yourself your child your your new family the world can wait yeah and if you know your closest ones will understand and even if they don't understand it's your life take it or leave it babe mama i love you i just think the worst part about postpartum no let me take that back it's not the worst part but the really sad part about postpartum is when you start losing your nice nails and your nice hair and <laughs> the glow in your face. No? <laughs> Anyone? I didn't, I didn't, nothing happened to my nails. I did lose a lot of my hair. And I think for me, it was a prime moment because I was getting married. So I had a bold patch. I think it, it, it is very, it, like, it also affects your mental health because obviously- It does. You, you, you go through a lot of body changes. And so you don't look yourself and you're still adjusting to this new life. And then you're just about getting used to it. And then something else hits you, which is, you know, hair loss. And then you're doing all these things. I remember me, like I'll call my aunties in Colombia. I'll be like, what do I put in my hair? I would speak to my friends and I'll be like, you know, what did you guys do? Um, so it is very hard, but I mean, it's just hair. It grows back. I think dealing with something mentally is much more severe because you don't know when you're going to get better and when you're in like dealing with postnatal depression more like you feel like it's just a loop and you're going round and round and round in circles and you don't see like no matter how many people tell you you know this too will pass you don't see it you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel but I'm not taking it away I'm not downplaying that you know losing your nails and your hair is not it's not hard it is because like you said like we're going through dramatic changes and then seeing that this also is affecting you it's just kind of like oh, for fuck's sake what else do I have to go through <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I wasn't saying it in the bit of like oh my god this was also like an absolutely terrible moment it's just like you've just gone through like a whole nine months of like you know your face is glowing you look so good your head like say me for instance I've always been bold <laughs> And my hair, my hair during pregnancy was so luscious, like, it was just so nice. And then postpartum, obviously, they say when the baby starts recognising you, your hair starts falling out, you know? The same lady that told her about the potatoes told her this. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath her bed. Literally. Um, and I remember... <laughs> I heard. I remember saying. I heard it's when you stop breastfeeding. Oh, I heard it was when El Bebe la conoce a uno. Oh, clearly, this lady's telling different stories. I remember telling Erica, I mean, I might just cover Leo's eye so that he doesn't <laughs> recognize me and my hair doesn't fall out because this is the best hair I've had in like years. I'm, I'm not comparing it to mental health at all, but obviously, it does play a little part. But it's just like, why is it that you're just ruining the whole body and the whole, you know? And you're, you're giving me l- l- lovely hair and now you're taking it. Like, make up your mind. To be honest, I, I never had the glowy skin because I was too busy throwing up but the whole time. So I looked dead. <laughs> I looked like a walking dead person. Like, you could definitely tell that I had day morning sickness throughout the day. Can you see that my eyebrows are falling out as well? You paint your eyebrows, Moo. I haven't done them today, but look at this. Is that your hair? Yeah, this is all my hair. I thought, I thought you just didn't draw it on properly. It's actually, I'm being serious. My eyebrows are falling off. On my hair, I've got so many bold patches. <laughs> it's so sad. Mama's code. All right, guys. So we always love to finish off our episode. What you were gonna say something? Oh no, baby. I don't know why you pay attention to me. Cause you looked like you were genuinely gonna say something important. I wasn't. <laughs> you have to ignore me. Anyway, guys, I got something to tell. No, <laughs> 
Golden with a golden tip and I think today's golden tip is just to listen to to yourself give yourself that breather that downtime and really pay attention to to that almost gut feel and if you don't want to see someone or if you don't want to do anything or if you think that someone's comment is is wrong really I don't know what I'm saying and take things easy slow pace enjoy the moment and if you need help, don't be afraid to ask. Don't try to brush things under the carpet and think, oh, no, this is probably just normal. And this is just, you know, like actually stay in tune with your feelings and speak them with your partner. And Communication is key. You should never keep anything to yourself. However bad you feel, you should always let someone know, whether it be your mom your dad, whoever you are closest to, even if it means that, you know, you have to reach out and get help. There's a lot of platforms out there that are generally willing to help you. It could be someone completely, like, a stranger, anonymous, and sometimes it's probably the easiest thing to do. Just go on Facebook and just search for someone on the... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> search for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Literally, message him. Be like, hey, Mark. Hello, friend. <laughs> uh, guys. We're sorry, that, guys. That's not in the episode. That's out. That whole section is just so insensitive. It's wrong. We cut it. <laughs> search for Mark Zuckerberg. Really? Like, he's friends with everyone on Facebook. <laughs> um, I think... I think the, the the biggest thing to take away from this is that it's fine to say that you don't want people around you. It's fine to feel what you're feeling with your partner, communicate with them, seek for help if you want to. Even if it's just that one person that you're giving priority to actually come around your house and helping you, whatever people say, they will understand once you're out of here. And if they don't understand, then they're not supposed to be there around you. They're not good vibes. Cut them off. Mic drop. That's not my If you do have visitors, don't be ashamed to be like... Can you scrub you my know, toilet? Can you wash my plates for me? It's the only time you can really say that. Yeah, guys, that's a wrap. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> out. Mark Zuckerberg out. <laughs> Mama's code. Is that even how you say his name? I don't think it is.